You're listening to Uniquely Beautiful Stories with Heather McIneer, a place for you to find encouragement to fully live your uniquely beautiful life. Hi, friends, and welcome back to Uniquely Beautiful Stories podcast. I'm your host, Heather, and I'm so glad that you're joining us again today, and I'm thrilled to introduce you to my fairly new friend, Carrie Mraz. I met her a little over a year ago when she interviewed and came to work at our dental office. So if you happen to visit Cedar Creek Dental, you will see Carrie's smiling face greeting you when you come in the door. Or if you call us on the phone, you will hear her voice. So we're thrilled to have her as a part of our team. And that's when I met her and heard her story. And you're going to get to hear her story today. And I know you're going to be encouraged by it. Carrie is an 11-year breast cancer survivor. She's also the author of Stage 3 Mommy, Beating Breast Cancer One Baby Step at a Time. Carrie's been married to Chris for 18 years, and they've got two beautiful daughters, Gracie and Trinity. And she can also be contacted if you want to talk to her about her cancer journey. She can be contacted through her Facebook page, which is Carrie Mraz Author. Did I get all that? Yes. All right. Well, welcome, Carrie. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. As you know, this is the Uniquely Beautiful Stories podcast, and what we like to do is talk about something in our lives. Looking at the situation, it's something that nobody would call beautiful, but as we look back, we're able to see how the Lord used that thing in our lives, the whole beauty from ashes <laughs> situation. Yeah. So obviously, I would love for you to share with our listeners about your breast cancer journey. And your life is about so much more than this chapter. So I'll have to have you back sometime to talk about even more of the things in your life. But today, I know that um, even this week, you've encouraged me as I was helping a friend who's facing the same battle you face. And so this is something that you're super passionate about. I know you want to help women. You've written a book to help women. I would just love to jump into it. Just take us back. Give us a little bit of backstory how old you were, what was going on in your life when you discovered that you had breast cancer? Were you doing regular breast checks? Like how, just how did this whole thing unfold for you? Well, uh, I was pregnant with my second daughter and I had a three-year-old. I was 29 years old. Wow. I reached for something in the closet, oddly enough, and felt the lump on my arm when I was pulling down a box. Hmm. And at first I thought, oh gosh, this this can't be what I think it is because immediately I have a history of breast cancer in my family. Mm. And so immediately that's where um, a fear went mm -hmm. is, could that be breast cancer? I feel a lump yeah. and it was immediate fear. I shared my concern with my husband and I went to the OB and she said, don't worry about it. It's a clogged milk duct. I'm not worried. Mm. This happens sometimes. Wait till the baby's born and we will recheck and go from there. Mm. So a couple months later, baby's born, the lump is still there and I couldn't breastfeed. Mm. So um, at that point, we went back to the OB mm -hmm. and she said, well, it, it looks like it's probably still just a, a duct. I don't see anything that's concerning. And I felt around and I still felt it. And I felt inside that lump, I felt what felt like gravel. Mm. And this is important because I was told that cancer a lot of times in, in your breast feels like a lump, but then if you push down deeper, sometimes you can feel gravel. And so I told my mother that after I got home from the appointment. And the, the and doctor is was, your mother a breast cancer survivor? My mother and my grandmother. Wow. Um, so my mom was diagnosed just four years before I was. And she said, Carrie, I just don't have a good feeling about it. She said, I don't want to wait until it works itself out. I don't, I don't have a good feeling. And I love my mother's instincts on this. She said, I'm going to take you. If the insurance won't pay for it, I'll pay for it. I'm going to pay cash for your mammogram, but we're going to get it done. So she went mm. with me and we scheduled it for that next week. We went into the office and I said, oh, I'm fine. I'll, I'll be fine. You know, you sit in the waiting room. And they took me back for my mammogram, my first and yeah. only mammogram. <laughs> my first and hey, last you, mammogram. <laughs> you, you got out of that one, right? I totally get the card on that. I get, I get a free pass. So, my first and only mammogram. I mean, you're 29. Right. So no one's, obviously, maybe you thought of it a little because of the family history, but still at such a young age, you're not thinking about mammograms, having breast cancer, any of that. You're, you're in the prime of motherhood having... Yes. You've got, how old was um, Gracie at the time? Gracie was three. She was three. She had just turned three. Okay. And then Trinity's this newborn baby. Yeah. I mean, I was having to, you know, taking this newborn baby with me to a mammogram appointment. Oh it didn't make any sense my in, in my head. 
Yeah. Um, so I went for the mammogram, the tech, they did their test. And then she turned the lights back on. I look over at her and she had this strange look on her face. Do you think she saw something? I do. Because she wow. kind of turned this weird grayish green. I mean, she looked white as a ghost. Oh. And she said, I'm going to go get the doctor. Right then? Immediately. Did your heart just sink? It did. So I sat there, and here's the crazy thing. I remember distinctly feeling two completely different emotions. One, I'm scared to death. Two, I'm not crazy. Okay, if mm. I have cancer, this validates this weird feeling that yeah. I've had. Yeah. And so for the first time, I felt like somebody was listening. This mm. tech just kind of had this weird look, and she went and got the doctor. I had about 10 minutes to sit there while she went to get the doctor. And in those 10 minutes, I said... God, if this is cancer, if you just let me live, I will help people. And I know that those kind of promises, at the time, it was a promise of desperation. Mm. But what I, I like to think that God kind of took that as, you know, when you say, um, you know, when your kid says, okay, if you please buy me this <laughs> one thing, I'll clean my room, and it'll stay clean for the rest of my life, I promise. Yeah. Because we don't work like that. We love our kids regardless. And we give good gifts to our kids regardless yeah um but but this little hope this glimmer of hope and I said Lord I want to if I have to go through it I want to help people through yeah. it I remember that a lot like during this journey and and as my story unfolds God just pulls that day back and he says see I I was faithful in that mm. I I'm he fulfilled that yeah for me. so you're sitting there and you're like okay God I'm ready for this. Like, I'll do this with you, and I will use it for your glory. Obviously, you're scared to death. But I was your, scared. Your first instinct is to turn to the Lord. Yes. Um, you spent that 10 minutes praying. And then did the doctor come in and confirm it right then? The doctor came in and said, the next thing I'd like to do is an ultrasound. I'm walking down the hallway. I put my shirt back on. I walked down the hallway to go take my shirt back off. I said, I, I need my mom now. And so my mother came in. So she was probably waiting in the waiting room. She was. She had taken you there. You have a new brand new baby, and you're having an appointment for a mammogram. Yeah, yeah, she's got a three year old and a and a and a baby with her. It's, oh my god! It was a ridiculous scene at the time. And so my mom comes back, and and she's sitting across the room, and and they pull up an ultrasound just like you would for um you know for a baby. Yeah. And. I looked at my mom. She was looking at the screen. I looked at my mom, and then she had that same look that the tech did. Uh, just like, you know, just the shoot. shock. So it was that clear. It was very clear. It was it was three and a half inches by one and a half inches. Wow. He turned the monitor around and said, it's very clear. You can see it. And it's like it had blood flowing to it. It was wow. big. And at that point, he said, we're going to get you in contact with oncology. And so I left there, called my husband on the way home because he thought, you know, routine appointment. It wasn't a yeah. big. Was he being optimist and thinking she's just going for a routine mammogram? They're not going to find anything. Yes. He was feeling more like clogged milk duct or just something yes. pregnancy related. He went to work. Oh, my gosh. And he he was completely optimistic. And, and I have to say this whole time he was very, even through the diagnosis and everything, he was just my rock. He was mm. incredible through all of it. He really did um, encourage me in that, but he really, at the time, he was just as shocked as yeah. as we were. And I said, I, I can't believe I have cancer. And he said, he said, well, we don't know anything yet. Yeah. We don't know all of it. And so then they called me back a week later and then gave me the official um, results that, that I did indeed have cancer and that it was stage three. Okay, so you have... The appointment, you you immediately have an ultrasound. They're all pretty sure every, of what's going on. But you had to wait a whole week before you found out if you actually had cancer or was it you're finding out the extent and what your treatment's going to be? What was that? What was the waiting there for? They were about 99% sure okay. that I had cancer. They just didn't know the extent of it. So when I went home, I had a few days to sit and ponder mm. what all that was going to look like. When they did call, and funny and, story. And you never know when it's going to be, right? You're just right. out doing your life. <laughs> <laughs> I had just taken Gracie to preschool, oh. and I thought, you know, I would love a Starbucks drink right now. <laughs> had the baby asleep in the back seat and thought I'd get myself a treat to go <laughs> mull over whatever my life looks like in the near future. So I was in line at Starbucks, and of course, they're all cheery, and how can I help you? And, and I'm sitting there in the drive-thru. I order my latte and the phone rings. So I'm about three cars deep in this line. And it was the phone number from my hospital. Mm -mm. And they said, Mrs. Morales, 
can you come Monday morning and uh, bring your husband? We've got some test results for you. And my heart stopped because I thought they're not going to say the C word right. on the phone. Right. And bring your husband. Right. And I said, well, can I just ask you, is it cancer? And she said, I can't tell you that over the phone. I'm just hoping that you can bring your husband with you and so we can discuss your diagnosis and prognosis. And I said, okay. And I hung up and I immediately burst into tears. Oh, as would anyone. (laughs) Here I am crying at Starbucks. (laughs) And I had happily ordered. And then I They're like, what happened between those three cars? (laughs) So the guy throws open the window. And he sees my face and he's like, what's wrong? That's what he said. He's probably 19-year-old. Oh, sweet guy. And I said, I think I have cancer. (laughs) (laughs) He just kind of looks at me and he he shuts the window. And I thought, okay, he's going to give me a moment to regroup. And and I start kind of wiping my tears. And he opens the window again and he said, "Um, ma'am, I'm so sorry. You're having such a bad day. The latte's on me. And I said, thank you. And I'm crying and, (laughs) and, and just... Thinking, what a what a sweet gift. And then he says, I have a pumpkin muffin for you, too. Oh. <laughs> pumpkin muffins just make it all better, right? Somehow, that made it okay. Oh, okay. And I thought, what a sweet kid. And that was the first moment that I realized that there is help all over the place. There's mm. support in people you don't even know. Mm. There's God places these people in our lives in the Starbucks drive-thru. And I started to realize that was God's divine plan. Yeah. That there are people that I'm not going to even know who they are until I make contact that are going to help me through this process. Mm. So that was my first, I felt like first um, moment of just realization that I was not going to go through this alone. Yeah. Just that kid at Starbucks. Yeah. And I did end up writing a letter to Starbucks to, to tell them thank you for for that kid being so sweet. I don't That's even know. Precious. His name, but God used him and, and that was that was a huge gift to me. Absolutely. And I, the fact that the first person I told had cancer <laughs> was the, the kid. This is nineteen year old kid. I love that. <laughs> that is awesome. Oh my goodness. So you go through the entire weekend. You and Chris show up, and what was what was that meeting like? And then what was the treatment protocol that they gave to you? I don't remember a whole lot. I just remember it was a tiny room. It was me, Chris, a doctor, and a little tiny table with a tissue box. I could not stop crying, but Chris just held me. He said, "We're going to get through this together." Mm. I just thought, okay, if I if I can have the support, if I can trudge through it. And I really did fear that I was going to trudge through it. Yeah, I really did. I thought I'm going to have to go through this kicking, screaming. This is going to be hard. It's funny. The things I do remember, I asked, will I lose my hair? Mm. Yes, I did lose my hair. (laughs) The things that you think are so important. And it turns out that wasn't really it. I did lose my hair, but it was not even an issue. I had a chance to ask all the questions, Yeah, but you don't even know what questions to ask. So I was thinking, I'm sure at that moment you're you have no idea what to ask. Yeah, like the silly things. I I didn't have any clue really what it looked like. Um, the prognosis mm-hmm. was that I was going to go through uh, eight weeks of chemo to shrink the tumor from the test wall. And then I would have to have a double mastectomy. He told me, I have no choice but to remove your right breast. And I said, well, go ahead and remove the left. We're not yes. getting this again. Yes. And then more chemo and then radiation. And then mm-hmm. I had a five-year pill, um, tamoxifen. But you've graduated from that. I am. I'm completely, <laughs> it's, it's funny. I look back and it was 11 years ago and I spent a couple years in treatment and going through the processes of beating cancer. Yeah. But it seems like a different lifetime ago. Yeah. There have been so many numerous gifts that have come out of that. And I don't want to ever forget those. People say, you had cancer. They see me now. Yeah. My hair has grown back. I've had reconstruction. Yeah. I don't look like I've had cancer. Yeah. People get caught off guard. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I was saying at the beginning. I mean, there's so much more to your story. There's so much more to all of our stories, but you fought this huge battle. I mean, you're a fighter and and through God's help and by God's grace, you beat that. Mm-hmm. What were all those weeks of treatment like? Here you are juggling a um, toddler, new baby and going, you know, chemo for eight weeks, then surgery, then several more weeks of chemo after that and then yes. radiation. So you're talking maybe a year 
Yes, July? it was about a year. Okay. And reconstruction was, after that, we had to wait for the skin to heal before I could even begin to think about reconstruction. Okay. So the whole process of going from diagnosis to being, looking like I had never had cancer was yeah. a few years, wow. a couple of years. Okay. But through that, it was an interesting, almost reinvention of myself. Physically, I found that each stage I started to kind of think, well, I'm just going to try to rock a bald head. And then, well, I'm just going to try to rock my curls because I had these, they, it grew back these crazy dark curls. I'm blonde headed. My hair's always been straight and I grew back this dark curly hair <laughs> <laughs> it took forever to grow out because it was these kinky oh. little curls. Yeah. And I would pull over my bangs and put a little, it was short. I would yeah. put a little hair bow or barrette in it. Just to make it look kind of more feminine. Yes. And then pretty soon it started to be really cool. And I was enjoying my little orphan Annie curls. It started to relax and it started. So there was some different fun. Stages. Um, I hate to say fun. But I, I, love I your, enjoyed. I love your attitude in it. And I would say fun. You were telling me yesterday something that I'm so impressed with. And since you're talking about the all the stages of physically, I want to ask you about this. Because something that you said is that even through all the physical changes that were happening, you were confident that your true worth and value came from God. And you knew how God saw you and it wasn't bothering you. Carrie, that's huge. That's huge for any woman anywhere. I mean, how did you how did you get to that place? I think I had to get to the place where I lost all vanity. You kind of lose there's several things you kind of have to get rid of when you go through something like this because you're being poked and prodded. Yeah. And you lose you lose a lot of your modesty. Yeah. But also I lost a lot of vanity when I lost my hair and I couldn't wear makeup. There were some things that I didn't feel good wearing makeup. My um body chemistry changed. I couldn't wear perfume. I didn't Mm. feel, I didn't want to feel beautiful. I just wanted to, I just wanted to heal and recover. So it was kind of like taking a sick day. Mm. So, um, I had to get to the place where I'd look in the mirror and think, man, I just don't look like myself. And I thought, you know what? It's fine Mm. because I know who I am. And I was raised to believe that I am beautiful and cherished and worthy Mm. in God's eyes. And so with that core foundation, I could look at myself having a bald head Mm. and I'm telling you, I don't, I don't rock a bald head. It's not (laughs) one of those things. There's a lot of women that can just get away with it and they look cute and you're like, did they do that on purpose? And, and that's great for them. They look great. Me, I had a really ugly bald head. It was like (laughs) shiny, Mr. Clean. It was not, it was not cute by any standards. And I would try to wear wigs, but the wigs were hot. Yeah. And I just thought, you know what? I don't care what people think. I know who I am. And a lot of that support came from my husband and my mm. kids because they, they went through this with me. And yeah. Trinity and I look back at pictures and she didn't have much hair either. And so <laughs> you guys were we were bald together. <laughs> so there was, there was a lot of me feeling like I had my father's love and approval regardless mm. of anything else going on. And because he saved my life, I could be nothing but grateful. Even though this was a hard road, and I wouldn't have chosen it for myself at the time, looking back, I know this might sound crazy. Looking back, I am so thankful that this was my journey because I learned so much about myself, courage that I never knew I had. I learned a lot about how God gifts us with allowing certain things in our lives mm-hmm. that I never, we never would have chosen the hard things. Yeah. But the hard things are what, reveal our character and reveal God's character and who he is and how faithful he is. I would have never known how faithful he was to get someone through cancer Mm. if I hadn't gone through it. So my story, I tell people all the time, God is so faithful. He's been with me from my first breath and Mm. and it's been a hard journey, but it's, it wasn't a bad journey. It was just Mm. different than what a lot of people experience. Mm. You said something really cool about what you see when you look at those pictures from those days. Do you remember what you told me? Yes. All those pictures, I was smiling. I was holding my kids and there was a joy in my eyes. None of those pictures look sad. In fact, if you would put hair on me, I didn't look that sick. Mm -hmm. I was still full of joy and full of hope. And I think that that's what got me through is I had so much hope because I knew that God was taking care of me. And I knew that there was life on the other side. I had no idea how many adventures God would give me on the other side of this, Mm. but there was some crazy 
faithful promises that I was holding on to. Yeah. And you could tell in the pictures. I, I love it when you told me that your every picture is full of joy and hope. And that, I mean, that encourages me today. I know that's going to encourage somebody who's going through a battle right now because if we think about someone who's fighting cancer, I just don't know that those are the adjectives that we're going to use. I don't know that we're going to be expecting them to say, I was full of joy and hope. That really just ministered to my spirit when you said that to me. And I, I appreciate you sharing that. So I know you've mentioned many times the support you had and the help you had. So I would love for you to speak practically about how did your tribe, your community, your army come around you in those weeks and weeks and weeks of treatment? Because it takes a village. And for any of us and for someone with a toddler and a brand new baby, there had to be people stepping in. Um, I'd love to hear that just so you could give a little shout out to your army. But also, you know, for those of us who have a friend who might be fighting, this is going to help us know how we can best help them. Yes. I had some wonderful support from some ladies in my church that came over and cleaned my house and people cooked food and uh, my parents' church, people sent cards and, and the people, I grew up with a lot of those people in, in my parents' church. And so they would send cards and blankets and mm. sweet little gifts. And the young moms that I knew would say, Hey, if your kids want to come over and play, do you need a day to rest? Mm. And I could just take a nap and know that my kids were safe. So that's one of the big things with a young mom going yes. through cancer. Watch her kids, do mm. her dishes, um, bring her food. And and my husband had to work. I mean, he had to support the family. He was yeah. the only one working. And here we have these little kids. And so that was the big thing is to have people who would meet practical needs. Yeah. And so whenever I hear about, especially a young mama going through something like what I went through, the needs are her first priority is her kids, yeah. regardless of what she's going through and whether it's cancer or not yeah. with anything. My first concern is that are my kids taken care of? Yeah. So meeting my kids' needs was huge. And was that something where when you were having a great week, and we'll say great in the context of cancer, <laughs> but when you felt well, that you just wanted to be as normal as possible and be with your girls. And then there were probably weeks, maybe post-chemo weeks, or just when you felt more sick. Yes. Was that when it was helpful for people to step in? For my, and, and every chemo is different. I would go in on a Thursday and get treatment. It was an eight-hour treatment. And that uh, Friday, I would have to go back for a shot. And then all that weekend, I'd be sick. All that next week, I'd be sick. By Thursday of that next week, I would feel good. Okay. And so it was this right after chemo to that next week. And I do remember having a lot of help in those times. Mm -hmm. But then when I wanted my kids, I was able to say, no, I've got them. We're going to do something normal this week. And even if it was just ordering pizza and watching Elmo. Right. (laughs) Yeah. it It was normal enough. Yes. So I think that was huge in my healing is that my my friends and my tribe were able to let me have some of that time so yes. that I I did cherish those moments with my kids. Right. And when I couldn't handle the kiddos, they were safe. They were with mm-hmm. my friends. And, and you knew you could be honest with those ladies. Yes. And how cool that they were just available if you need it. If you don't, yes. you know, we're here. Yes. And it was Trinity's basically her whole first year of life. Yeah. And so I'm sure on the weeks you felt well, you wanted to just be a regular mama to an infant and then a toddler. You know, yeah. as she grew, you wanted to try to do the things that you had done with Gracie and try to make her first year as normal as possible under the circumstances. Yes. And her first year was <laughs> probably anything but normal. Yeah. However, she is my very well-adjusted, calm, chill kid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No permanent damage. <laughs> right. Uh, she is so well adjusted and she is so easygoing. Maybe that's part of it. Yeah. She <laughs> Her, had to be. Yeah. She really, she was pretty flexible. I mean, you've already got, when you've already got the one and then the second child comes into the family, they just kind of have to fall in line with whatever anyway. True. So she had to be that kid anyways, but it was um, extenuating circumstances <laughs> for the most part. Um, her first, her first year was anything but normal. Her first birthday party, I I do. We have pictures. We're both just bald-headed as we oh. can. <laughs> but it was a it was a happy time because I had moments where I was hoping and praying and and trusting God that I would make it to her first birthday. 
So every every little step along the way was a victory. Mm. And maybe that's why I was smiling in those pictures is mm. because I knew that that picture was evidence that I'd made it another day. So you set your for yourself kind of milestones or goals. Was it something that you put on paper or you just had it in your mind? Like, I want to make it to this. And then like, what did that look like? Milestones for me were milestones for my kids. Again, yeah. going back to that mama's heart. Um, I want to see Trinity walk. Mm. I want to see Gracie go to kindergarten. And the milestones just kept coming. And after a while, I mean, I still have those milestones. You still have those moments of Gracie's first day of high school. Yeah. I cry. But I was not crying because I was sad. I was crying because I'd raised this child yeah. that I knew could handle high school. And I thought, man, I made it all the way to <laughs> high school. And here we are. And so it's no different really from any any other um, mom that has those milestones. We've yeah. all been through something that you think, are we going to make it to that? Yeah. And you do. And you celebrate those victories. And then you just mm. set a new goal. Trinity's in middle school now. And so crazy. Yeah. It's it's wonderful. It's Teenagers are fun. <laughs> yes, it, it is. It is. We've got them too. Well, I'm sure those goals gave you hope as well. Instead of fixating your thoughts on, oh, what if I miss this? You chose to flip it in your mind and say, I want to be there for this. Yes. You know, I'm going to. I'm fighting to make it to this. And I, I, feel, I feel like, again, that's why your face is full of hope and joy in those pictures. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm not going to lie. I did have some ugly times. and there, sure. there was especially in the beginning, but it had to be a change of perspective. It had to be because I felt like if I did not flip that perspective, I could have easily slipped into Mm. a place of despair. Absolutely. And why Mm. God? And, you know, why are you letting this happen? Mm. Um, Why, why is this happening to me instead of, you know, why not? Why can't I make it? I moved it around and I believe that God helped me do that. I love that. I don't think I could have done that on my own. Mm, I love that. Well, let's take a left turn. We've talked about kiddos and how this affected parenting. What about marriage? I'm sure something like this is going to hit the marriage at least a little hard, if not pretty hard. What did that yes, look like? It did. And I, I will say that you come through trials, regardless of what it is in your marriage. And Chris and I have been married 18 years. We've been together. We've been in love for 20. And through those years, we have tested every bit <laughs> of for richer or poorer in health. We have been it all, and I think that's solidified a lot of a lot of our marriage. And, and I can look back at the happy times and the sad times. Mm. I think the best piece of advice uh, we ever got, as far as marriage, and it might come from my dad. He said, "You know, when things get hard, or when you're fighting, or when things are just too tough, and you feel like walking away, turn toward that person. If you have to physically turn knee to knee, and you face that person, he said, you hold on to each other." Mm. And so we have, he has been incredible. Mm-hmm. My husband is so supportive and I can't say, you know, either one of us are perfect in mm-hmm. everything we've been through, but he was my rock through a lot. And, and him just saying and from the very beginning, we're going to get through this baby. It does take a, a strong person when, when you're that weak. There was times that, you know, in, in our lives, in our marriage that, that I was the strong one and, and he had a be encouraged and mm-hmm. pulled along, but, but we've done it together. Yeah. You know, intimacy is different yeah. when you have breast cancer. Yeah. Um, af- after my mastectomy, there was a, a period of time that I didn't have anything there and we right. couldn't do reconstruction right away. So I just would keep my shirt on and he respected that. And we were able to get through that time as, mm-hmm. as different as it was, we just kind of modified for what the circumstances were. Yeah. Yeah. So chemo was, was hard because I was still good one week and then I wouldn't feel good the next week. Yeah. So it's like, we need to probably plan some things out. <laughs> plan when you're feeling good. Right, right. So you just work around, but it's not impossible to work around. Mm. We worked around those things. I mean, just like you have to work around when you've got a baby and, and a toddler and mm. a life and you just plan, you be intentional about being with one another. He took care of me during all my surgeries. After reconstruction, there was a six-week period that I had to be basically in a, we called it my sausage casing, (laughs) like neck to thigh girdle. I could take it off an hour a week to shower. Yes. My goodness. To showers. Um, But we really, we just had to work around whatever life threw at us. And it became almost funny to be like, 
what's next? Right. Well, I mean, I'm... you guys have been through it all. <laughs> I mean, gosh, we all know just even having babies changes things and all the right. post-pregnancy and pregnancy. And I mean, you guys have just, you've seen all the seasons. Damn it. We just <laughs> run it all. And it's like, well, what, what ridiculous new modifi- modification can we make now? <laughs> so you take all that with mm. a sense of humor. and When you realize what's really important. Yes. You know, like obviously continuing to to stay intimate, to stay close, to stay connected. But at the same time, you realize those things are important, but we're fighting for life here and we're we're raising children here. And I do think that sometimes when we go through something that's so big, it really puts the rest of life into perspective. It does. Yeah. What did that look like for him being the provider for the family and bills are coming in and there's stress with finances, I'm sure, with treatment and all of that. Like, What did that look like for your family during that season? Financially, that was really tough. My husband had a good job, but he was laid off as I started probably my my second month of treatment. Wow. We kind of knew it was coming. He was Mm. looking for something else, and he was laid off. The company shut down and moved overseas. So he took the first job that he was offered that provided benefits the first day. And so we did switch our insurance from one company to another, but it started day one so that I could complete at least that chemo. And then we thought, well, if we can at least finish this round of chemo, then we can move on to some other insurance and at least, at least get that done. There was a few sleepless nights when I was on chemo and Mm -hmm. and he did not realize I was awake, but he laid there and just cried. I knew he hated that job, Mm -hmm. but he was willing to take that job to feed our family and to keep our benefits going. And I just thought, that's such sacrificial love. And it's things like that that I'm like, yeah, that's why we've been married 18 years. He's just, he was incredible through that. Mm. And as soon as we were done with that round of chemo and things were starting to look a little better about that time, another job came up that was something Mm. he really wanted. And he was able to move over to that. And it wasn't completely seamless, but God took care of us during that time. And and there was a lot of really um, great blessings through that. It just makes your heart like well up with love and respect for your man when you see them serving you. Yes. And um, I mean, we all know that men are, it's kind of in their DNA. God put it in there for them to be the protector of the family and to be the provider for the family. But when you see it, like the rubber hitting the road like that and him making those sacrifices for you and the girls, I mean, that just, I don't know about you, but that just takes your love for him to a whole nother level and your gratefulness, you know? Yes. It d- mm. And it does. And then I think, you know, it's not that big of a deal that his underwear is outside the hamper. <laughs> yes, yes. It's okay. <laughs> In the grand oh, scheme of things, that's all right. Absolutely. You can put it where you want. That's fine. Absolutely. Leave that till it's seen up. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, I know in the past couple of years, he's been able to have a real dream come true with starting his own company. Yes. Was that something that has always been brewing and you were kind of waiting for treatment and health and everything to get behind you? Or was it just a timing thing? Or what did that look like for your family? He's always wanted to do that. He's always been a dreamer and an entrepreneur spirit. He's always wanted to be able to have his own company and he works in IT and he wanted to do his the things his way and and every place he's worked he would have figured out a way to do it better and so he Mm. said you know what I'm gonna do this and we were through treatment here we had these babies (laughs) and we're through treatment with our little starter home and I was like you know what what have we got to lose (laughs) I said are we crazy and he's like I think so and I'm like great let's do it you know what have we what have we got to lose so I'm well enough at that point to where we're not too worried about me. You know, I still had to be careful because fatigue lasts for a lot longer. And Hmm. I think that's one thing that people don't realize about going through cancer. I had to be very aware of when I got tired, I Hmm. had a rest. And so that was one thing that I said, you know, I can help you start this company. And and we started (laughs) in the little extra bedroom of our house. We moved Trinity in with Gracie. And daddy had a pink office and that's the (laughs) humble beginnings of his company. (laughs) I really did say, well, we must be crazy, but we just don't really have anything to lose at this point. I mean, our lives were the most important thing. And those were, those were all intact. Yeah. You you just go up from there, right? Right. So you guys have done all the, I mean, you've taken care of each other 
and sickness and health, and then you've worked together. And you've oh, we raised together. girls together. You've lived together. I mean, y'all have just done all the things. And I know, like you said, that's probably what makes your marriage so strong and your love so deep for one another is that you've gotten to experience so many aspects of life together and you've made it through. You haven't killed each other. <laughs> it's a miracle. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, going back to your cancer journey, I do want to ask what you would tell a woman who's listening, who's right there. I don't want to miss this opportunity to offer some words of encouragement. The first thing I'm going to say is never give up hope. There is so much life on the other side of this. But while you're waiting for the other side of it, don't forget to live every moment of the journey today. Mm. And that may be you need to allow yourself to have some time of grieving because you are going through a loss. Mm -hmm. You may have to lose your breast, but you're going to gain your life. I lost my whole 30th year, but now I'm 41. So I would say never give up hope for one and be brave and rely on God to give you that strength because I didn't realize how courageous I was. Mm. I really didn't. I had no idea. I just kind of assumed I was just ordinary and turns Mm. out God had more for me. I would say be be courageous and ask God for that because he will give you that. Mm. Realize he's faithful. He will bring about that promise for you. He wants to make your life extraordinary. I really felt like God was God was speaking to me one day when I, I was in Florida and the wind was just crazy. And there was this little palm tree <laughs> that had blown over. And, you know, they, they do that in hurricanes. And mm-hmm. they, it wasn't a hurricane, but just the winds were so strong and it was little. The wind was just beating it. And the other ones were stronger and they were taller and they were doing okay. But this one was just getting beaten down. You know, they're, they're made to bend down like that under the wind. And I felt like that was a, an exact representation of me. Like, be a palm tree. Mm. You may get beat down. But those things come right back up the minute the wind is done, the minute the storm's over. It's almost like you look over and, and it's it's back. And I think that was me for a while. You do have to allow yourself to maybe be down for a while. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. But you're not down for the count. And mm. that's what's the most important thing. You pop back up. You keep going. You know, you weather the storm. But on the other side of it, you, you look back and see God's faithfulness. And mm. there's so much life on the other side. You're not advocating denial or repressing those feelings. My love that you said, you know, go there, grieve it, grieve the loss of whatever it is. Because every, I mean, every one of our hard seasons, whether it's cancer or anything, it it usually incur, includes some type of loss, loss yes. of a dream, loss of a person, loss of health, you know, loss of finances. So you're grieving a loss. You're encouraging women to be real in that moment and experience all those feelings, but don't sit in the sad and despairing ones. Right. Don't stay there. Um, I also, I remember you telling me that those notes and things that people would send you, you put them places so you could see them. What did you do with that? It's <laughs> like, you have to have this encouragement right in front of your face. I know I've done that. Yes. I stuck like post-it notes and scripture cards and notes for my husband, like right in front of my face. Cause I'm like, I've got to see this today. Yeah. But I love the visual you were telling me. What did, what did you do with all your cards? We put them up every single one. And I got lots of cards from lots of different people, which was crazy as people that I didn't even know. Mm. And, um, found out about my story through a friend of a friend and mm. like it started in my closet door mm-hmm. and it just kind of went from there and pretty soon it kind of looked like our bedroom was wallpapered and cards Aww. and it was it was just a visual representation of the support yeah. so if I didn't feel supported yeah I could I could be like nope that's wrong yeah. I am supported there is this person from Atlanta, Georgia that I've never met that is praying for me. Mm. And I got a card from a lady that said that she had put my name on the prayer wall in Jerusalem. What? That's cool. <laughs> mm. And so there was people from all, literally all over the world who heard my story mm. and were praying for me. Mm. And so anytime I felt discouraged or felt like there wasn't support, I would just think, no, there's cards on my wall that prove otherwise. So you know that you've got this army of prayer warriors. I can only imagine in the face of cancer to look at, what was it, hundreds of cards and know that those represented prayers going up for you. I mean, I can only imagine how powerful that was. It was a gift, definitely. That's amazing. It reminds me of this verse. I can't think of the exact um, reference, but I'll put it in the show notes. Um, It's in 2 Corinthians, and Paul's talking about how Titus went out to visit these believers in another city and 
when he got to that city, it talks about how the believers were encouraged, first of all, by Titus's presence, because he came and he was refreshing them. But when he told them that this other church was praying for them, their hearts were just filled with joy to hear that believers in a totally other city are praying for them. And, you know, I know I've seen that in my own life. It's like just the presence of a friend means so much. And then imagine that friend comes and says, my whole Bible study group, you know, just prayed for you last night. I mean, it's almost like you just fill your heart, just filling up with that hope. Um, So honestly, you telling me this is reminding me that when I'm praying for someone, I need to write them a card or shoot them a text. Like I need to go the next step and let them know that I'm praying for them because what encouragement that is. Well, and God does something so amazing with those prayers. I Mm. do believe that he just multiplies them. And and those, I've, I've been in a situation that could have been very hopeless, but I physically felt the prayers of physical relief that came when I remembered that people were praying for me and Mm. that God had the God of the universe. Yeah. Thought highly enough of me through his son and his righteousness Mm. and his mercy to let those people pray for me. I mean, it was all so orchestrated Mm. by God and to have that kind of support, you feel lifted. That's the joy. That's why I can look at those pictures and see joy. It's yeah. not that it was 100% perfect and I was 100% happy all the time. Right. It was because of the prayers of the people. It's humbling, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So humbling when you, first of all, think about the God of the universe caring for our needs. And then secondly, when you think of other people, especially people you don't know or don't know well, bearing your burdens with you and lifting your requests up to the Father. It's just, it's one of the most humbling things. Uh, I love so many things about your story. I want to make sure that we don't for, that we don't miss out on any details. You had a really cool example or story about a rock that you found that, that kind of became like an annoying thing to you, but then it ended up being something that brought a lot of hope and encouragement. Do you have time to share that story with I us? It's one of my favorites. It's one that I talk about, and in fact, I, I there's a chapter in my book about it. Okay, um, but I was at a women's retreat and they passed around a basket full of these little white stones and each one had a little word on it. Some said faith, some said courage, some um, said love and hope. There was all these different ones and they had just gotten them probably from, you know, a bag of Hobby Lobby or something. And they read the scripture from Revelation that talks about, I will give each each one a white stone Mm -hmm. with a name that only they know. Yes. And I thought, oh, that's cool. You know, we pass it around. I got courage. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird. Because I don't need courage. I'm fine. And this was when? Like... <laughs> this was, I was probably 20. Um, and I just kind of left it at that. It really didn't mean a whole lot to me. Right. And, and it didn't it didn't sink in. It was just not very fertile <laughs> soil. <laughs> and I But I kept the rock. Because my sister kept hers. And she loved hers. And it said faith. And I thought, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I want your rock, not my rock. Don't we I'm do like, that all the time? Faith. I like that. Yeah. Um, so it was like, oh, this is a silly little gift. And I would just kind of lose it. I would put it in a drawer and, and didn't really think about it. But then as I started going through the the treatment of cancer and different portions of my life, I would find this rock. And I, was clean, I mean, I think I was cleaning out my nightstand drawer and there's this rock. And so I kind of look at it and I'm like, courage. Oh, yeah, you know, I probably could use some courage about now. God, give me courage. All right, throw it down. I didn't really let it sink in that... God may have possibly been <laughs> calling me to have courage and to take heart. And so I would let, I would purposely lose the rock. <laughs> like you were trying to get rid of I it. I was really trying. I wouldn't like throw it away because I knew that maybe God was possibly trying to talk to me at this point. But I would just kind of, you know, not, I would dismiss the rock. Mm-hmm. I started finding it and then something, something bad would happen. And I would remember that stone that said courage. And I thought, that is an omen. That, that is causing me all sorts of bad luck. And I called my best friend one day and I said, you know, this is ridiculous. This is so silly. I find this rock, something bad happens. And she said, well, maybe your perspective is off. Like, let's just for a second. She's so much wiser than I am when I am panicked and freaking out. And she said, maybe if you would take that rock and say, God, what do you want to show me? And how do you want me to be courageous? And then face whatever it is with courage. I don't know, just an idea. (laughs) And I thought, that's so smart. Why didn't I think of that? God is calling me to be courageous. And so I started seeing that rock in a little different light. And I realized that God calls me courage. I went all the way back to the very beginning when I got that rock. And he gave me that rock for a reason. 
He gave me that word for a reason. Mm -hmm. And so I started to realize this courage was welling up in me. And he was using that silly little stone to communicate to me that he calls me courage. Mm. Because that verse, you're right, it says he will give you a new name. So it wasn't even just this annoying little rock. It was a name that he was trying to to give to you. And and like the leader said, it's not, you know, that's not your overarching name Mm -hmm. that he's giving you for your whole life or reading too much into that. Mm -hmm. But he's... He's calling you courage. How cool that eight or nine years before you were going to face the battle that would require the absolute most courage you had ever needed in your life. Mm -hmm. You know, he was prepping your heart for that. And how funny that I rejected it so many times, (laughs) but he still in his mercy was going to let me find that rock. Mm. And I'm so thankful for it. I'm thankful that he calls me that. And in times now, even that I have to be courageous in something and it's not cancer now, but it's other things right. in my life, other circumstances. Right. And I think about that. And I just think God calls us to be courageous. He calls us to have faith. He calls us to trust him. And so through that hmm. silly little rock, <laughs> that is one of my favorite stories because it's just so silly. Well, any last things before we close up? I've got a final question and I wanted to read a passage of scripture as well. But before we do that, are there any final things that you would want to say to either someone who's in the battle or someone who's walking through someone in the battle? Just to never give up hope. I mean, the the adventures that God has taken me on, not only through the adventure, if you will, of cancer, but on the other side of it, I've had all these opportunities. Wow, this is my life. Mm. This is God's promise to me. And he said I was going to make it through. And here we are. And he said, don't worry about X, Y, Z. And here we are things that were so big at the time that it's so pressing and that I was so worried about are all things that God has has been faithful to to restore. I love that scripture that said that God will restore what the locusts have eaten. Mm-hmm. And he has every little worry that I had that that my kids wouldn't have a mom, that we would never get out of our little tiny house, um, that, that my husband's business would always just be a little tiny third bedroom mm. pink office. <laughs> All of that, and, and God has, has completed all these things that I, I was afraid at the time that I would not get to see completed. Life just keeps getting better and better. Mm. So That's I encourage you to keep going and just hang on, and God's going to be faithful. Mm. You don't know what's around the corner. Right, so, you never so do. True. So true. Well, let's talk currently. So this is the Uniquely Beautiful Stories podcast. So Carrie, what is currently making your life beautiful? It could be something silly, like a Starbucks drink, although we just talked today how Starbucks drinks can have deep meaning in our life, right? But it could be something like a drink or it could be something more personal. But what would what would you say is making your life more beautiful? I think just that just being able to see my kids in their stages where they're at, definitely going through that has has made me appreciate life, being present with my kids. I had so worried about and it's so silly to think about it now, but having that little tiny house, we were in a, a thousand square feet with one bathroom and two growing kids. And all of a sudden the one bathroom wasn't working for all of us. Yes. And we didn't have much of anything. And it was such a big worry that I actually had, had cried out to God one day. I remember very specifically, like, am I just going to stay in this house forever? And will, will we never, the stupid cancer, I, we're never going to have the finances. We're never going to be able to get to that place. And I just felt like God was saying, I'm going to take care of you. Mm. I'm going to take care of this. And it's in my timing. So basically, chill out. (laughs) But I had to cry out to God. I had to let that go. Years later, granted it was years, but God gave us just recently a new house. Everybody has a bathroom. And so Mm. nobody's fighting over bathrooms anymore. And it's a nice neighborhood, and that was a physical thing that God didn't need to do, right. but he did because he knew that was the desire of my heart. Mm. He's made life really fun. The reason that I wanted that big house is so that we could have people over, mm. and again, God knew a desire of my heart was to have people over. The new rule is, if you want a friend to spend the night, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. So we have just opened up our house, mm-hmm. and that was something that I never thought would happen. The fact that I got to write a book. Mm. Um, I've been on... Yeah, I I forgot. We haven't talked about that. Tell me how that even came about. How did you go from cancer journey, beating cancer? How did God open that door for you to take that journey and turn it into a book? 
Well, I believe it all goes back to me sitting in that little mammogram room waiting for the doctor mm. because I had asked, I asked him to let me live so I could help people through a, through a breast cancer magazine that I had picked up. I won a free cruise as a survivor with other survivors. So I flew out to, to Florida. I got on a boat with 200 strangers that also <laughs> had, had been through breast cancer. And I met 200 new best friends. And we just all um, shared our stories. And that week was, was life-changing for me. And I met a woman who was the editor of the magazine. Okay. And we started talking. She said, you know, the way you tell stories, I, I think you probably should write this down. Mm. Write these down. And I said, oh, I would love to. And she said, would you like to write a book? And I said, yes. And she said, let me mentor you. I can show you how to write a book. Wow. So God placed that person in my life. And she mm. helped me publish my book. And she helped me promote my book. And there was some opportunities that never would have happened in all this if I hadn't just been brave and just said, you know what, I'm going to go apply for a scholarship for a cruise. Yeah. And since then, I have been on four cruises. <gasps> I'm asked to speak and I'm asked to be a leader in the group. And so I get to go on these cruises and help women that maybe are still going through mm. breast cancer or have just been diagnosed even. And all of a sudden, I'm talking to a group of women from around the country mm. about my story and their relating. And then afterward, being able to pray with those women yeah. and say, don't give up hope. I mean, that's my whole baby step into whatever whatever your new life is. But don't you give up hope. Every day is, is a victory. So Absolutely. keep going. Again, God knows the desires of your heart. And he knows where you're at right now. But he is also in the future. Setting up little points along the way to get you to those places. So he's got all sorts of gifts for you to unwrap. Yeah. And if you can just believe that God is faithful and trust him in that, then there's going to be gifts for you, whatever that looks like. And mm. there's been so many, I just, I can't even name them all. <laughs> the blessings that have come from this. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today, Carrie. I really do appreciate it. I know I've been encouraged by your story and I know that so many women will, whether they're walking your same journey, whether they're walking beside someone who's going through a cancer journey right now, or whether it's something else that's one of those storms. Think about, we'll think about the palm tree. We'll think about the fact that we're being beat down, that we can pop, rise, get yes. back up again by the power of God's strength. Yes. Thank you for that reminder. I'm going to read a passage from the book of Psalms. I read this this morning, and as you were talking, it just made me think about this passage. So I want to close here. It comes from Psalms 86, and you just said so many different times when you were telling your story how you called out to God, you've cried out to God, you have called on Him, and He has been there, and He has helped you, and He's answered you. And so it made me think of this. It's a prayer that David called out himself to God. It says, Protect my life, for I am faithful. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Be gracious to me, Lord, for I call on you all day long. Bring joy to your servant's life, because I appeal to you, Lord. For you, Lord, are kind and ready to forgive, abounding in faithful love to all who call on your name. Hear my prayer. I call on you in the day of my distress, and you will answer me. Lord, there is no one like you among the gods, and there is no one who works like you. All the nations that you have made will come and bow down before you, Lord, and they will honor your name, for you alone are God. Teach me your ways, O Lord, and I will live by your truth. Give me an undivided heart to fear your name. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart, for you are my God. I will honor your name forever, for your faithful love is great, and you rescued my life from the depths. Friends, I hope that that encouraged some of you today, no matter where you are that God loves you, he is for you, he is faithful, and he hears you when you call on him. Carrie and I, we both hope that you're encouraged by this interview, and we hope that you will go out and live your one uniquely beautiful story. Thank you for listening to Uniquely Beautiful Stories with Heather McInear. Share this podcast with a friend and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now go live your own story.